Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. Today is week five of our current series, Knowing God. And the title of today's message is The Wisdom of God. We hope you enjoy today's word. Father's Day to all of our dads, those of you that are here present and online. Can we give it up for our dads? What a blessing you guys are. You know, as we were in worship this morning, as you know, we, we've been on a series the last couple of weeks entitled uh, Knowing God. We've been talking about having a personal relationship with God and what that entails. And uh, as we were in worship, I was meditating upon a, on a particular lyric where it talks about your goodness is running after. It's running after me. And what I want us to kind of begin to wrap our head and hearts around is that God really does want a real and personal and intimate relationship with every single human being. God is interested in relationship. I don't know about you, but there's something about somebody wanting relationship with you, about being intent upon having a relationship with you that is life-changing. And I want you to begin to consider that because one of the ways that God reaches out and makes his love and his intentions for a personal relationship with us known is through his wisdom. Today I want to talk to you on the topic of the wisdom of God. We're talking about knowing God. And this is an important topic for us to to study today because every one of us is in search of wisdom. I'll prove it to you, right? For some of us, we're searching for wisdom that leads us to more information or necessary information. For some of us, we're looking for insight into unanswered questions. For some of us, it's a pursuit of knowledge into things that, that we have an interest in. And for some of us, we're pursuing wisdom for principles, for a better way of life, finding a new path. And look, all these things are good. But unless your search for wisdom leads you to God, you are missing what wisdom is all about. I want you to see something, that God reveals himself through wisdom. And there is wisdom for your life and mine. Whether you're here or you're watching us online, I want you to consider this, that God is giving you wisdom, wisdom for life, wisdom to overcome, wisdom to thrive in a marriage, wisdom to raise your children, wisdom to make the next career room, wisdom for, to, to know him, wisdom to relate to your fellow men, wisdom to forgive, wisdom. It's all wisdom and it all comes from God. And look, while seeking wisdom in all these different aspects is good, we have to get to the source of wisdom. We have to realize that when we seek God, wisdom is revealed to us. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 through 31. It's very possible that there's some people today that, you know, believe or maybe, maybe you find yourself there. I pray you don't. But if you do, there's no judgment. But there are some of us that maybe what we believe is that, you know, I don't, I don't have wisdom. And we equate that to information. We equate that to details. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. It says, brothers and sisters, somebody say, that's me. I hope you believe that. It says, think of what you were when you were not called, when, when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. 
Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. That's not talking about you or I being fools. It's talking about you and I lacking what was necessary in the eyes of people, according to the standards of men, right? And so it says, God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things, the base things, the unexpected things of this world, and the despised things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. Listen closely. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become wisdom for us. Wisdom from God for us. It goes on to say, that is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, as it, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Listen, listen closely. Wisdom can only be found in Christ. Let me make that a little bit more closer to home. The wisdom that you need, no matter what it is you're seeking, wisdom is a person. Wisdom is God personified, and God wants you to live wisely. Notice what I didn't say. God's asking you to do it for him. No, he gives us the wisdom, and with that wisdom, we glean and we grasp the ability to live wisely. Listen to the words of one of the wisest men in history. As a matter of fact, this guy wasn't just wise one of the wisest men in all history, next to Jesus. But this guy was blessed beyond measure, a guy named Solomon. Listen to his words in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for, and for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. I want you to see that wisdom works for all people. It's available for all people. But listen to verse 5. It says, let the wise listen hmm, and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Listen closely. The fear of the Lord. It's talking about reverence. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That word knowledge there is the, the Hebrew word for wisdom, discernment, and understanding. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. I want to I just share a thought with you here. It has nothing to do with my notes. But the wise person is the one who reverences God above all. So here's a question to consider. Here's a question to consider. When you are in need of a solution, when you are seeking guidance, when you are looking for an open door, when you are trying to figure something out, is God your first resort? Let me also ask you this. Is God your first and last resort? Let me take it a step further. Is God your first and last and only resort? 
Because if he is not, I want you to see what the scripture says about that person. But fools despise wisdom. Listen to what it is. They cast it off. They push it away. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Solomon was the wisest man in all history next to Jesus. Listen, kings sought his riches, sought him out. He had riches that exceeded that of any known man in history until this very day. He was knowledgeable in many facets of life, and he was successful in all his ways. But the source of it all was his deep and personal pursuit of relationship with God. He says that the fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. That's just the beginning. That's just the starting point. Imagine what lies ahead if God was your one and only priority. Now, I'm not negating the fact that we have other priorities, but what I'm talking about is God being your number one priority. Above all, before anything, right? And so in the Bible, we have the account uh, a great example of uh, the importance of God's wisdom through the life of a man named Daniel. And Daniel was taken into captivity uh, in, uh, along with the people of Israel uh, when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon besieged Jerusalem, right? But the thing is this, that even though this guy was a slave, he was a captive, he was in a foreign land, Right? Despite all that, it did not stop him from pursuing a relationship with God. And as a result, he walked in great wisdom. Now, that's an important thing to consider because oftentimes, for some people, our pursuit of God is dependent on how good life is. Oh, amen or oh me. <laughs> One of the two. But I want you to consider this, that it didn't stop him. And so... This guy's, you know, he, he's, he's captive in Babylon now, and upon doing so, you know, being brought under uh, Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had some of Israel's royal family and the nobility brought into his service, right? And the scripture says specifically that he was seeking people with aptitude, right? With wisdom, with knowledge of every kind, uh, these people that had every type of learning and they were quick to understand, right? And they showed an ability to serve him directly with excellence. And the Bible says that Daniel was one of these people that were chosen to come to service under this king, Nebuchadnezzar. And one day, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that disturbed him greatly. It perturbed him. He woke up, I imagine, in sweats. And he, he, he knew that it was something from God, but he did not understand what God was saying to him. And so Nebuchadnezzar turned to the men in his inner circle. If Nebuchadnezzar was living in this age, you know what that would look like? He posted on social media. Somebody tell me what you think about what I should be doing. Right? Somebody give me your opinion, your advice. Pastor, what do you say? What do you care what I say? Look to God. Look to God's wisdom, right? And so Nebuchadnezzar turns to his inner circle, and the Bible says that he draws all the, he calls all the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the astrologers, and he puts so much confidence in their ability that this guy Nebuchadnezzar believed that because they were the wisest men, in the world, that's what he believed, 
that they would be able to not only interpret his dream, but they'd be able to tell him what he dreamt without him telling them. And so he says, whoever can tell me the meaning of this dream and tell me what I dreamt, I have great riches in store for them, right? I have, uh, I will bestow great blessings, great gifts. Them, and he promised that he would honor them, right, before all the people, and they would have a position of great prestige. But he also said that if they couldn't, that he would have them killed and cut into pieces, right? And so when the wisest men in Babylon hear this, you know what they say? The Bible says that they were baffled. And here's what they responded in Daniel chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. It says, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they do not live among humans. You know what's interesting? We see otherwise. So this king was so mad at their response that he ordered that all the wise men in Babylon be executed. And so when the commander of the king's guard went to put all these men to death, Daniel comes to this, to this uh, man uh, who was appointed by the king, and he asked that he be given an audience with the king. He says, give me time and give me an audience with Nebuchadnezzar, and I will bring interpretation of the dream for the king. Now what's interesting here that after making this request, Daniel did not consult the wisdom of men. He did it. He didn't turn. He didn't look to his prior exploits with God either. He didn't say, well, God, you did it this way before. You'll do it this way. He didn't limit God to a box. Nor did he go into the searches. Uh, he, he, did he go into the in search of the tradition of avoiding death at the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar for dummies? He didn't do that either. I want you to see what, what, what uh, Daniel did. Look in Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 through 23. It says, Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the, with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power, and you have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. I want you to see that Daniel, when he needed insight, he did not seek simply answers. Daniel sought God. He sought God. You know, I, I, I want to ask you a very personal question for you to consider for yourself. Are you living with 
wisdom. I want you to hear what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about book knowledge. I'm not talking about the latest and greatest and newest piece of information out there. I'm not talking about science. I'm not talking about theological concepts or doctrines. I'm talking about the person of God who is wisdom. Are you living with? Are you habitating with God? Are you dwelling with God? Are you constantly living in a pursuit of God? Are you growing in God? See, for Daniel and his friends, wisdom wasn't a momentary affair. If a study of Daniel's life clearly reveals that Daniel lived a life with a deep love for God and a dependence upon God. And Daniel wasn't in the habit of just seeking wisdom when he needed it. You know, if, if, if we're not careful, we can deduce a relationship to God to the moments when we need insight. For some of us, that went over our head. But I want you to hear clearly. Don't seek God for results. Seek the God of wisdom. Seek God himself. Know him personally. So I want you to consider something. That... Daniel went on to reveal this dream to Nebuchadnezzar, and he brings forth its interpretation, and it changed his life. Listen to Daniel chapter 2, verses 46 through 48. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. And the king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. Notice what the king understands. He understands that while Daniel brought him insight, Daniel got it from God. He understood who was the one that revealed the mystery. Verse 48. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Listen closely. A slave made it to the palace. A nobody in the eyes of men became a somebody. You know why? Because he always was somebody in the eyes of God. I pray you're hearing the heart of God towards you. When the scripture says that he chooses the foolish things, the base things, it's talking about God saw you independent of your need, independent of what you could do for him. He saw you and he met you where you were and the scripture says that he's raised you up and placed you upon a high rock. He's pulled you from the miry clay. You might feel down, but you are always up. Why? Because the wisdom of God resides with you and it exalts you. Listen, knowing God is to your advantage. God's not out to hurt you. He's not out to manipulate you or control you uh, like a robot. God knows you and he wants to be intimately known by you. He wants you to live with wisdom, in relationship with wisdom. You ever heard the one about the world's smartest man? Right? The story goes that... Uh, an airplane is about to crash, and there were four passengers, but only three parachutes. The first passenger says, 
I'm a leading heart surgeon. My patience needs me. Needs me. No one has the wisdom that I have. So he grabs the first parachute and he jumps. The second passenger says, I'm the world's leading rocket scientist. He says, there's no one like me. And he says, I, have to, I, I can't die here. My country needs me. The world needs me. So he grabs the parachute and he jumps. Right? And the third passenger was Billy Graham. Right? And Billy Graham says to the fourth passenger, who's a 10-year-old Boy Scout, he says, son, I'm old and frail. I've lived my life. I've seen the goodness of God. You take the last parachute. And the little Boy Scout says, that's okay, sir. There's still two parachutes left. The world's uh, leading, uh, the world's wisest man, the rocket scientist, just jumped out with my backpack. <laughs> tell you why I share that with you. Listen closely. A personal relationship with God will always give you insight to the hidden mysteries concealed from men. God's not out to control you. He gives us wisdom so that we could live wisely and live the life, the abundant life that he promised us. Only the fool prides himself in what he knows and what people think of him. Only the fool. And so the last couple of moments that I have here, I want to share with you just three simple things about living with wisdom. The first thing I want to say to you is that wisdom is always present. Wisdom is always present. But you must avail yourself of it. You must avail yourself of it. You must do something with wisdom. Listen to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 16. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I want you to see that there's nothing worse than having light and living if it's dark. I'll put it to you this way. There's nothing more sorrowful in life than having the wisdom of God available to each and every one of us, and it is, and living as if we don't have wisdom. See, the question isn't if we have wisdom. The question is, are we availing ourselves of it? Are we doing something with wisdom? Are we pursuing it? And so according to these, these, these scriptures that we just read, we, we, we see a couple of things. I want you to see three things that we see here. We see, one, that we're called to wake up. 
wake up. You know, it's sad to say that we live in a world today where in the Christian world specifically, we deduce the wisdom of God, knowing God, to knowing just what the Bible says. Hear what I'm saying? I'm not shouting nobody down. But if the shoe fits, please don't wear it. Change it. Change it. Listen closely. It's sad to say that we live in a world where we deduce relationship with God to how much we read the Bible, how many songs we, 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 we sing, how many times we go to church, how much we give. And I'm not knocking any of those things, but what I'm saying is don't take the place of a relationship with God. Don't replace a relationship with God for the things that you do in service to God so everyone can say, good Christian. It's a sad state of affairs. See, God has given us light. He's given us his wisdom. But he says, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. You know, when my wife wakes me up, it's not, baby, honey, baby. You know why? Because I'm a heavy sleeper. I'm a heavy sleeper. It could be a tornado outside. I will sleep through. A tree could fall on the house. I'm, I'm out. My wife, when she wants to wake me up, it's, Jose, levántate. <laughs> wake up. She's not, she's not passively going. And, and, I, and I feel that, there's, that the reason why I bring that up is because there's an emphasis to a need to get up. And listen to what God says. He says, wake up, oh sleeper. Wake up. Wisdom's available. The second thing we see is that we're to be careful as to how we live. In other words, wisdom informs us on how to proceed in life. I'm not just talking about your good little Christian deeds. The wisdom of God helps you in every regard of your life. It's available for every facet of life, anything that you may encounter. The third thing that we see here is that we are to make the most of our time with wisdom. You know what that means? That wisdom is available for every single moment of your day. I don't believe that there's any coincidence that some of us are here and some of us are watching online or maybe you're catching this later on. Maybe somebody shared this link with you and you're watching it days after, hours after. I just want you to know that wherever you are, even right here, right now, presently, the wisdom of God is calling out to you. And what God is saying is, I have more than information and insight for you. I want you to see that I am your wisdom. And I am calling you and inviting you and beckoning you into a personal relationship with me. To know me and know me only. See, wisdom is present with you. But you must live your life with it. The second thing I want to leave you with here is this, that wisdom, if we're going to know God, we have to remain teachable and reachable. Let me tell you what I mean. In Colossians 3.16, it says, let the message, that word message there in the Greek is the, is, the, is the Greek word logos. And literally what it depicts is a living voice. It's the highest form of wisdom. And it says, let the message of Christ, let the logos of Christ dwell to live in you and influence you. It says, let this message of Christ dwell among you richly as 
teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You know, the book of Colossians, if you study, is all about living your life in Christ and growing your new identity as a new creation. And in this verse, we discover a fundamental truth about God's wisdom. It's that God's wisdom is useful to teach us. It imparts instruction. It explains. It expounds upon every area of our lives. And it also admonishes us. It provides us warning. It exhorts us. But to see, the thing about it is that God's wisdom... For it to have its perfect work and way in our lives, we must allow all of God's wisdom to teach us and admonish us. Let me tell you why that's important. Because we live in a day and age where people are seeking what pleases their itching ears, the scripture says. Oh, I believe in the grace of God, but please don't talk to me about that thing that I that I. Str- with. Or don't talk to me about, you know, uh, more spiritual matters. I just, I just want to be a good person. Don't talk to me about needing to, to, to submit in this area of my life or doing what's right in the sight of God. You know, God loves me. Even when I'm faithless, he's faithful. We can't manipulate the word of God. We can't bend it to our liking. See, to do so is to be unteachable, but it also is to be unreachable. Psalm 119 verses 9 through 11 says this, how can a young person, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Now, that should excite you. God just called you young. There's some of us that are young and there's some of us that are a little less younger, right? But we're all young, right? But it says that we are to li- by, that, that we can keep our path pure, clear, clean by living according to your word. And listen to this. He says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen closely. I want to encourage you to let God's word and the message it brings us in Christ to live in you. To live in you. You know what that looks like? To function through you. To be applicable in every area of your life. Allow yourself to follow what the word says. Dwell in it. Dwell in it. And do as the psalmist says. Hide his word in your heart. You know, we all hide things in our heart. It's what we treasure. It's what's most important. For some people, it's money. For some people, it's acclaim. It's it's the appearance of, of all that's good in the sight of people. You know, this person has this, and that person has that, and this person does that, and my family does this, and my friends do that, then it must be what I should do. It must be what life is all about. No, 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 no. You're hiding the wrong thing in your heart. The psalmist says, hide his word in your heart. The last thing I want to leave you with here is this. Is that wisdom without understanding is fruitless. 
Proverbs 4, 7 says, the beginning of wisdom is, I'm reading from the Amplified, get skillful and godly wisdom. It is preeminent. It's the most important thing. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Actively seek spiritual uh, discernment, mature comprehension, and logical interpretation. Prize wisdom and exalt her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. See, the beginning of wisdom is acquiring it. It's putting yourself in a place where you can receive wisdom. But the fulfillment of wisdom is getting to the place of understanding. And it's not just understanding information. It's understanding God. Let's stand here today. For those of you that are at home, I want to join us in taking a personal moment with God. Because as we grow to understand God personally, we mature in discernment. We mature in matters pertaining to life. And we mature in the ways that God is leading us. We comprehend his ways and we're raised in honor by God for all to see. Hmm. And I heard a quote recently and I feel the need to share it. It says that the wise man knows everything because he knows God. The fool knows everyone because he's content to trust in them. See God. Know God. And as you know God, you'll know his wisdom. You'll discover a new and better way for life. The wisest thing you can do is build your life on the foundation of a personal relationship with God.